Bags down, spikes on, welcome to the track. My name is Colin Waitsman, going to be your host for this episode of Track World News. And before we get into everything, make sure that you leave a like, subscribe, follow, give us a rating uh, on whatever platform you're listening to the podcast. really helps us know that you're enjoying what's going on and, and have loved the support so far. Uh, so have three uh, stories that I want to go over uh Sure, you saw the title of, of this episode. We'll be going over that second. Uh, I, I tell you, I got a lot of stuff to say. Uh, but first, want to go over the Coaches Association. They came out with their Athletes of the Year awards as well as their Coaches of the Year awards for the indoor season. Uh, there's a lot that they have. They have not only the entire nation and who are the best runners, field events, uh, and coaches and assistant coaches, but they also have regions. And so where they'll say this is the regional distance uh, runner, or the regional runner of the year, regional field event, uh, athlete of the year, so on and so forth. And of course, they do this for, for all the divisions, but we're just going to do division one athletes of the year. And it's really no surprise what they had. Uh, it, if you listened to my last episode where I was reviewing the NCAA championship, these are going to be a lot of very familiar names. So the runner of the year for the men was Cole Hawker out of uh, Oregon. And it makes sense. I mean, he's had a dominant, dominant, dominant year uh, so far. He was a part of the DMR that was the world record or technically all-time uh, record holder. He was the mile champion and the 3,000 meter champion at the national championship and obviously the team champion. He played huge parts in that. He would have been the, the collegiate record holder uh, in the mile if his teammate Cooper uh, didn't break it, but but in, in fact he's going to be the, the second fastest uh, miler in collegiate history. And so he, he's had a dominant year and really all the distance runners from uh, Oregon have, but he's got just a little bit little bit better, and he deserves it. I mean, he was my MVP of the national championship, and he's also clearly the, the best runner so far this year. Um, on the women's side, runner of the year, they have Aething Moo uh, out of Texas A&M. She has the, what is it, the collegiate record in the 600, the 800, as well as being a part of the 4x4 collegiate record uh, she was second at nationals in, in the 400, and she's also a part of the national championship 4x4 team uh, that just ran this past week. She's insane because she's doing this as a freshman. I mean, Cole's only a sophomore as well. I mean, they're both very young, and so it's great to see what track and field's going to be looking like in the future with having these two young athletes. But, yeah, she's been throwing up these insane times as a freshman, and I only see them getting better, especially as the outdoor season comes along. Um, she'll be able to kind of um, widen out her stride. She has, she's really tall, has really long legs, and so I feel the outdoor track is probably a little bit better for her not uh, to be able to really take advantage of, of, of her stride length. So no surprises there. Uh, she deserves it, it's having a super great year so far. Uh, looking at the field event athlete of the year on the men's side have Javon Harrison out of LSU. No surprise once again. This was my field event MVP of the national championship as well. He was just 
just going crazy with the best long jump and high jump combination in the history of the world. No one has ever done this and to do it on the same day and to do it within two hours of each other. He's been going on a tear. Uh, everyone knew he had great high jumping ability. He's really been breaking out in the long jump as well. Um, looking forward to seeing what he's going to be doing this outdoor season as well as what he's going to be doing after this in college uh, and at the Olympic trials. I mean, is he going to be going for uh, long jump or is he going to be going for high jump? He's super dominant in both. What's he going to end up choosing? Uh, it's going to be exciting. Then last one for the field event athlete of the year. Once again, no, uh, no strange names. Uh, Tyra Giddens, uh, not, not surprised. She out of Texas A&M, the multi-athlete. She has the, the collegiate record in the pentathlon. She shattered that at the NCAA championship. And then she is also the only athlete to actually have the pentathlon gold medal in the national championship as well as high jump. She had that combo. Only person to ever do that in the history of women's collegiate track and field. She also came in third in long jump, um, which was extremely impressive. She brought home 26 points, which was the third most in women's NCAA championship history. I mean, she's doing insane. And she's also an underclassman. I think she's a junior. Um, maybe a sophomore? No, I think she's a junior. So she has another year uh, of collegiate eligibility. Excited to see how she's going to do, especially this outdoor uh, with the heptathlon. Uh, should be exciting. Uh, see if she can break that record as well. Then coaches, um, men, the males coach of the year, Oregon. Um, Oregon scored the most points in national championship since 94. When Arkansas did it, they actually scored 94 points. Um, when they scored 79 this year, um, they had, he had six athletes that won, uh, events in the national championship, bring home. That's crazy. Just, they just had, they had six athletes bring home 60 points. <laughs> that's, it's, that's insane. That, that could have almost won the championship just there, just through the people that they won. Just don't even count the other people that, that came in second, third, fourth, all that. Just count the champions. Um, so he, he's been on a tear. I believe this is his eighth season. So he's been around for a little bit. Um, congrats to him. Also, no surprise. Um, on the women's side, we had the women's coach of the year, Lance Carter. He is the coach of Arkansas. Uh, he's been there for, what, 31 years, I believe. So he's been there for a long time. Uh, and he just had – they had a great, great national championship. Like I mentioned in the previous episode, they didn't actually win any events. They didn't have any actual national champions. But they had a ton of athletes that were uh, second, third, fourth. And just the, the, the dominance that they have within their depth – of the team is really what propels them to be having these th this great run that they're having. They had the third most points in NCAA championship history. They didn't even win one. They didn't get 10 points in any of it. And they had the third most. And they also had 146 points at the SEC championship. Just, just crazy stuff. I mean, he, he's insane. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see these exact same names popping through Outdoors, um, the if I'm to if I'm looking at any that could possibly change, maybe Javon Harrison for Casey Lightfoot if if he ends up doing some some crazy height outdoors breaking if he breaks the American record, uh, which is what six oh eight by 
Oh, no, it's a little higher. Um, 608 was indoors. But if he could break the American record uh, outdoors, you know, possibly we could see him taking it, uh, which we might at this next meet, uh, which is the Texas Relays, uh, which I'm super excited about. First major meet of the year. Texas Relays will be happening. Um, really excited to finally have uh, these meets. As you know, many of these big meets have been canceled, modified, adjusted from what they normally do. Uh, this this Texas Relays has been adjusted slightly, but not to the effect that we've seen with Penn Relays, uh, where it's been completely adjusted, or another meet that we're going to be talking about that has been completely adjusted as well. Uh, this meet, uh, there's going to be no high schoolers or individual student-athletes, so the only people that are going to be competing in this are the ones that are a part of a team, and most of them are, I believe, coming from the South. They're just some pretty major teams. Uh, you know, Texas obviously is there, Baylor, Kansas, I think Sandy. Like, there's a lot of really good teams that are going to be there. So I'm super excited for this happening this upcoming weekend. It was reduced from a four-day meet to a three-day meet. A lot of great competition. If you are a pole vault uh, fan like I am, tune into this meet. This is going to be the most competitive meet um, compared to national championships. I think this is going to be, um, for collegiate-wise, this will be the most, com- the second most competitive meet. I guess you could say third. The third most competitive meet this year. You have the two national championships, and then you have this meet. It's going to be the most competitive. They have a ton of people that have uh, potential to be in that in the national championship. And you have some people that can break six meters. You have former national champions. You have people that could win national championships in the future. It's, it's going to be insane. So if you're a fan of pole vaulting, tune into the Texas Relays this upcoming weekend. It's going to be a great one. And like I said, uh, there have been some changes for big meets. And recently, just over this past past few days, we've gotten some more bad news coming out of the NCAA. So if you've been following recently with the NCAA, you know that they don't have a really great track record right now. Just a few weeks ago, they were getting a lot of heat for the fact that the men's March Madness basketball tournament had a full weight room with like 10 racks and a lot of dumbbells, barbells, whole bunch of stuff, weights, tons of stuff, large room. And then the women, they only had 12 dumbbells and a stack of yoga mats. And that was their entire weight room. And until on social media, they got some flack because people are like, what the heck is this? Why do the women's teams not have an actual weight room? And they were like, oh, wow, we'll, we'll look into it. And then eventually they gave them the weight room that they were planning on only installing at the Sweet 16. They decided to install it early. So it's nice that they, they actually did what was right. But the fact that it took social media outrage to do the right thing, I think, is incredible. Uh, it was, it's just wild that, <laughs> that it took this much stuff to go against it. And so that's one thing that they've seen, the one, artic- one area of flack. Uh, that they've had. And that just continues here. And so to give you the backstory on what happened in January, um, I think it was January 20th, the NCAA proposed that for this outdoor championship, they wanted to reduce the amount of 
competitors that were allowed in the competition from 48 to 32. So taking out 16 competitors per event. And at first it was just a proposed bill, but over this weekend they decide that they're, they're signing off on it. And so for the NCAA prelims, it's going to be instead of 48 competitors in every event, it's only going to be 32. Well, what does this mean? Well, this means that over 1,300 student-athletes are going to have their dreams of competing in the NCAA championship completely cut. This is the only time in the NCAA history and the only sport in the entire constitute of the NCAA that is having their championship completely adjusted like this. Imagine if the NCAA had said, you know what, for March Madness, instead of having 64 teams or 68 teams competing, we're just going to start at 32. So all the teams that would have made it because of uh, they won their championship or something like that, I'm sorry, you're, you're gone. We're just going to start with 32 teams because of COVID protocols. That's what they're they're saying is the reasoning for doing this, COVID protocols. And and it, that's like the buzzword right now. I mean, you, you're see, we've talked about how Clemson track and field announced that they were going to cancel their season, and right now they're actually in a, a court battle uh, about why that shouldn't be the case. You saw William and Mary saying they're going to cancel their, their their men's program and then eventually reinstating it, as well as many other programs and many other things. Can- canceling their track and field programs or, or events or meets because of, of COVID. And so part of me understands it, and then part of me, I just, it, it doesn't make much sense at all. So one, you're, you're okay with having March Madness going around, which has about 1,000 athletes, uh, not including their coaching staff or the trainers or the referees. We're just going to talk athletes, about 1,000 athletes. Um, that are that you're okay with having in a hotel indoor basketball tournament over the course of an entire month you're okay with that um but you're not okay with um track and field which does have more athletes per championship you're looking at about double the size it's about 2,000 athletes uh you're not okay with that and they're only going to be in an outdoor facility over the course of three to four days um not including the practice and training that they do beforehand. So overall, less than a, less than a week. They're, they're there for five to six days. You're not okay with that. And so this is taking out, like I mentioned, a third of the competition's dreams of competing for an NCAA championship. Pretty much saying, yeah, you probably wouldn't win. You probably wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't go anyway. So we're just going to cut the field there, which is extremely upsetting uh, because – the, the smaller schools, that, like the one that I went to, Mount St. Mary's, um, and other smaller Division I schools, those are, the, those are the teams that are taking a lot of these spots. Between 32 and 48, a lot of those spots are taken up by smaller schools, um, not by, like, you know, the, the Oregons, the Arkansas of the world, those larger institutions. It's a, a lot of these are being taken up by our smaller schools, and you're just completely getting them out of, out of the competition. Not going to have any representation at all. Many of them. Uh, I can think of a great example where one of the students, I believe, um, 
she was uh, she was in between 32 and 48. Kelly Yamasil, she was a javelin thrower for my school. I believe she was in the, in that ranking. If not, she was close. And so she was there. And then she had a great performance at the prelims. So for those that don't know, um, the top 48, you compete at the prelims, and it's West Coast and East Coast. So once if you're on an, you're an East Coast school, you would compete, let's say, at Florida. You're 48, and if you get into the top, I believe, what, 16, uh, you go to the NCAA final, which is either, what, in Oregon, Texas, wherever, wherever it's being held. And so uh, now they're saying instead of being top 48 to go to the prelims, you have to be top 32 to get to the prelims. So just saying, you know what, you 1,300 people, your dreams don't matter. We're getting rid of you. And so it's like she, like I had mentioned with Kelly Ansel, she, had, she wasn't projected to be able to make the, the, the final. And then she did, and then she became an All-American from being somewhere that was within this rank where we don't think you even deserve to be here to becoming an All-American. I mean, there's, so, there's probably so many of those stories of athletes that you're cutting out. Many of the, those 1,300 athletes that you're cutting out, many of them would have been able to give out school records. Many of these 1,300 athletes that you're cutting out would have broken personal bests. They would have qualified for Olympic teams or for other national teams. Many of these athletes that you're cutting out would have been able to qualify for the final. And then some of these athletes that would have qualified for the final would be all Americans. Some of them probably even national champions. And you're just cutting them out. You're saying, nope, you probably wouldn't have made it anyway. We're just going to get rid of you saying that it's a COVID thing, when if it really is, if it honestly is a COVID issue, there are ways you could have all 48, all 48 athletes be able to compete and not have to cut it out, but still, you know, go with whatever regulations you're having for COVID. There are ways. You could extend the meet or you could do it in parts where maybe, hey, you have the first half of the, the competitors competing on this day, second half of the competitors competing on the next, on, on, in another place, in like the northeast, southeast, well, you know, there's, there's other places you could do it. And they're, they're just like, nope, we're not going to do that. We're going to, you know, get, just get rid of all these people. And like a lot of these people, this, this could have been the first and only national championship that they could have potentially qualified for. This was going to be their year. We already took it away from last year. The outdoor championship last year that they thought they were going to have, nope, you can't qualify. So you're like, okay, well, at least I have this season. This is my senior year. I have an opportunity to get it. And you're like, oh, yeah, well, you have to be top 32. And now there are going to be people that were 33rd, that was a senior. This is their only chance, and they can't do it anymore. That's BS. That's so stupid. So stupid. I hope they change it. Will they? No, they won't. Because the NCAA sucks. It always has sucked, and it currently does suck, and it probably always will. Like I, it's 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 incredible. There's so there's been so much flack for the NCAA. I mean, you've seen it with, like I said, with the March Madness, um, with the college bas- with college athletes saying not not property of the NCAA on their shirts. Just a lot of flack. And this is yet another thing that they got wrong. And I'm not surprised about it. So I'm hoping that it changes, but it won't. Uh, And yeah, so that's my rant. Um, That's been another episode of Track World News. Uh, Hope that you enjoy it. Uh, What are your thoughts on these topics? What are your thoughts on them going from 48 to 32 
athletes of the year, as well as what other meets are you excited about? I really do want to hear it uh, from you. So if you'd like, you can send in a voice a voice message. Actually, um, it's in the, the description of the podcast. You can tell me what you think, and we'll we can talk about it on the on the next episode, uh, or leave a comment on one of our Instagram posts. Uh, I really do really do appreciate it. So um, once again, thank you for listening. It's been another episode of Track World News. My name is Colin Waitzman. If you would like more content, follow us on Instagram at Track World News, uh, and make sure that you leave a like, review, uh, favorite, subscribe, follow, all that stuff uh, for this episode on your, your podcast platform. really does help us know that you're enjoying everything. Have a good one. Talk to you soon. Bye.